God, we just thank you for another opportunity to just be in your house. God, uh, there's a scripture in the Bible that says how good and how perfect it is when we dwell together in unity and what better place to be than in your house, God. There's so much negativity and stress going on in the world, but to be in your house, a house of peace and just to focus on who you are and what you're doing, God. We are just so grateful for this opportunity, God. We ask that this word will fall on good ground, good hearts, ready to receive what you have for your people. Amen. Amen. So um, the topic I've got today is what to do when you need a financial miracle. And um, like Barry said, we are relatively young, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that we've not had our struggles with finances already. And I'm going to share a bit of a testimony. Some of you may probably know some of this already, but um, we got married two and a bit years ago, almost three years ago, and went on a beautiful honeymoon to Bali. Amazing in the sun, it was just incredible. Got back on, I think, a Thursday night. Um, Then we, my husband went back to work on Monday. Tuesday, we got a phone call. He was rushed to the hospital. Um, About a couple days later, we found out that he had a brain tumor. So we didn't have a honeymoon period (laughs) like couples normally do when they get married because that was how our marriage started. Um, And then I lost my job shortly after that. Um, But, well, backtrack a bit. About three months into our marriage, God blessed us with our son, who um, a lot of you know, Gideon. And then it was like, okay, cool. I lost my job about three weeks after that. So it was like this, okay. So my husband was ill. We didn't know if he was gonna have to stop working. We had a load of debts that we were aggressively trying to pay off because we know that God's will for his people is that we are out of debt. So we were throwing everything into these debts at the start of our marriage to have a good foundation to grow on. Then I lost my job just after finding out I was pregnant so it was like okay we didn't have enough anyway but we were making it through we knew that when we were praying about what our marriage was going to look like and this was just God's plan for our family I'm not saying this is for anybody else but God had spoke to us about him giving us children at the right time so we weren't using family planning because we were like we're gonna have faith that God's gonna give us kids at the right time So when I found out I was pregnant and I lost my job, the first thing you do is panic because you're like, okay, these things are expensive. How are we going to pay for them? (laughs) So we're in a situation where we're just like, okay, we need a miracle because it was just, yeah, you do all your spreadsheets and all your numbers and you don't, you look at it and you're just like, yeah, there's not enough money. Don't know what we're going to do. Praise God, I got a job shortly after that. But because I hadn't been working there long enough, I didn't qualify for maternity pay. So I'm like, okay, God, we had faith and trusted you that you would give us kids at the right time. So you have to provide. (laughs) Because there is no way that we're going to pay all the bills, feed ourselves, and feed this child. So my husband had not long started this job. He actually started it, I think, three weeks before we got married. God miraculously healed him of this brain tumor, but 
in his first year working there, and this was about three months till my son being born, when we still don't know how we're going to make ends meet, he gets the most unprecedented pay rise. Like, I mean, it, it, it totally blew our minds because we're just like, you've not even been there a year you shouldn't even qualify for this. They had done some reviews and realized that some people weren't being paid enough and other people were being paid more. So they bumped his pay up to meet everybody who else who had been there for years and years and years. That doesn't happen. But that is God. So we've been there and we're about to get there again now because obviously I'm with child. And, and just before we found out we were pregnant, God blessed us with the purchase of a new house that we're moving into shortly. So on paper, it all looked fine because it was like, yeah, we're both working, Gideon's all right. He's going to hit that age bracket soon where it's going to look like he's going to get free childcare, so we'll get that money back again. So everything's down, got the mortgage down, just waiting for our moving date. And then I find out that I'm pregnant again, <laughs> which a larger house obviously means more expenses. And now I'm going to take, I mean, statutory maternity pay isn't even close to half of my salary. But again, we're going back to, okay, God, you told us that you would give us kids at the right time in season. So you've done it before and you'll do it again. And in the midst of this, we've been able to pay off masses and masses and masses of debt because we know that God's will for us, his children, is to not be in debt. And God has proved himself faithful as we've stepped out in faith and done what he's led us to do. So I'm going to be speaking today about a woman in the Bible who had a massive amount of debt. Um, and some of you may have heard the story before, but I'm just going to break it down to hopefully bring out some principles that we can all learn from. And the Bible is beautiful because whatever situation you're in, there's a word for you in there. Yeah. I remember hearing a preacher talk, a different preacher talking about there was people who used to come up to him and be like, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, and, and God, it seems, like, it seems like God's not speaking to me. And he would say to them, when was the last time you read your Bible? Yeah. Because that's where it starts. Right. If you would get into the word of God, anything you need, if you're looking for a word in season, guess what? It's in the Bible. And there's nothing that God will say to you that isn't in the scriptures. Whatever you need, it's in there. So we're going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm just going to read seven verses from it, and then I'll break it down. It says, One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from friends and neighbors then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, 
and she filled one after another. Soon each container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. So we're going to go back over it, and I'm going to break it down verse by verse. So verse 1, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my sons away. So we have a a story, a situation, where this person is in so much debt, her children are going to be taken away from her for probably at least seven years to pay that debt. Now, luckily that doesn't happen to us anymore in this um, society, but it does actually still happen in the UK. And it does actually still happen in other places in the world. But imagine being in so much debt where they're not just taking your house or that car away from you. They're going to take your kids and say, you have to work for seven years unpaid to pay this back. The other thing I want to pull out from this story is this lady... It says that she was the wife of a widow of one of the prophets. Now, the prophets back then had a higher moral standard than we did. And I don't believe that it's a coincidence that that was put in the story. So what that tells me is that it wasn't, they weren't in debt because they had made frivolous life choices. They were in debt because he was a prophet and they probably didn't have enough to get by. Now, why is that important? Because the first step to overcoming your debts is to know why you are in debt. You need to know why. Is it that you've made poor life choices? Your priorities are misplaced, like Barry said this morning. You always want the cars, and you always want the shoes, and you always want the brands. Is it a lack of knowledge or bad investments that you've made along the way? Is it that you're just lazy, where you have more free time, but you're only working as little hours as possible when you could work more to provide more for your family? Is it just that life has happened? You've lost a job, your company got, went under and you got made redundant. It is important to know why, because that dictates what you actually need. And some of us are praying for a miracle and God to do this amazing thing and money to fall in our lap. And he's just like, if you go out, and get the knowledge that you need, that's the kind of miracle you need, not another 10,000 pounds because you'll blow that the same way you've blown the rest of your money because you don't have the wisdom and the knowledge to use that money effectively. So then it goes on in verse 2 to say, Elisha asked her, what can I do to help you? Tell me what you have in the house. Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. So this seems like an obvious question. This lady's in debt, obviously. She called the man of God to help her because she's in debt. And the man of God says to her, what can I do to help you? I would be like, are you being serious? (laughs) 
Like, I've told you I'm in debt. They're taking my sons away, and you're asking me, what do I want? But I believe he asked that for a specific question. All through scriptures, you see Jesus doing this. When somebody was needing something on the road, there was a blind man on the road, and Jesus would stop and look at them and say, what can I do for you? And you can respond in two ways to that. You can respond and be like, are you actually being serious? You don't see I'm blind. You don't see my legs aren't working. Like, you don't see there's something wrong. Or you can respond in humility and be like, no, I need something and I know you have it. So I'm not going to let that offend me. And I believe a lot of times Jesus and even Elisha asked this woman that because he wanted to see if she was ready for the miracle that she was looking for. And readiness looks like humility to say, I could be offended by that, but I know that you have what I need. And instead of me letting my ego rise up, I'm going to humble myself and be like, no, I do need that miracle. The second reason I believe Elisha asked her that is because he wanted to check to see if she wanted what she actually needed. Because sometimes we can think that we want something, but it's not what we actually need. Sometimes when I'm ready to put my son Gideon to bed, he starts crying and fussing because he doesn't want to go to bed. He wants to carry on playing, but I know he needs to go to sleep. Now, if I asked my son at that point, what do you want? And he could talk. He would probably say he wants to play football. He wants to play his drums. But me asking him that, I know what he needs. And I need to make sure that before I give you what you need, you know what you need. Because if not, if you're not ready for the miracle that God is ready to give you, then you'll be back there in 10 years saying, God, I need another miracle. So when God or people ask you what seems like an obvious question, it's a test to see where you are, to see if you're ready. Because I tell you what, God will let you keep circling around that mountain until you're ready. The children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. It should have only taken 40 days, but they weren't ready for the full deliverance yet. So let's carry on. Then Elisha said to her, tell me what you have. Now, I believe that For all of us here, God has given us a purpose and a plan. And in that contains the level of financial freedom you need to accomplish his goals and his purposes for your life. There is a prosperity gospel out there that says that you can have all the cars and all the houses and all this. We don't subscribe to that here. We believe that everybody's level of prosperity is going to be different. Because for some people, they're going to have the millions because that's what God has for their life. And God knows that they're going to use that in line with his plan for their life to change the world. But for some people, they're only going to have the 20,000, the 30,000 because that's what God has for them. And that's their level of prosperity for what he would have them do. But inside each and every one of you, there is something that you have for the kingdom, for your life, that will ensure that you have enough for what you need. So Elisha asks her, what do you have? 
And that is my question to you. What do you have? What are those dreams and those visions and those things that you've put down if you've ignored or you've not put enough thought and effort into them? But in those things that you've put on the shelf, in that is the key to the prosperity and the financial miracle you are looking for. Because you have it. I know so many ministers, and I'm sure Brian and Vicky started off like this as well, but when they started off in ministry, they had to still do a secular job on the side to help them to provide for their families until such a time when the church became, or the ministry became self-efficient enough that they had to step away from the secular because they didn't need that anymore. But they still did something with what was in their hands. I know pastors who do taxi jobs in the evenings because they still need to provide for their family. What do you have? I know know one pastor who, who has a bakery and he bakes bread and he sells lots of African foods. What do you have in your hand? Because God has given you something. The Bible says he gives us the ability to make wealth. And a lot of the times, we start off when we leave school and we have all these plans and we have all these dreams. I want to do this with my life. I want to do that with my life. I want to do this. I've got this business idea. I've got that plan. And as we get older and we get stuck in this trap of the nine to five, all of our dreams and visions start to slip away. And then all of a sudden, when you're older, you start realizing, oh, I wanted to do that and I've not had that opportunity. But if you had done that, your life would probably be in a really different trajectory to what it is now. So a lot of us are looking for something. Elisha didn't say, go out there and do something. He said, what do you have here? What do you have that you are not utilizing here? And I would urge each of you after this to go home. And if you've journaled when you were younger, maybe even give your parents a ring and say, what did I used to talk about wanting to do? What do I have? Then, if you carry on, the lady then says, all I have is a flask of oil. I don't have anything. And if you look at it, the flask of oil then was a little small bottle of anointing oil. And all through the Bible, you see the purpose of anointing oil is is that God has given you a a gift or a purpose, and he anoints you with oil to do that gift. So again, I'm saying, what do you have? Because God has given you something. She was disregarding that small bottle of anointing oil that was in her house, but that was the key to her financial miracle. And she probably looked at it every day and thought, I have nothing. And walked past it every day and thought, I have nothing. I'm stuck in debt. I'm stuck in all of this. I have nothing. But she had what she needed. She had what she needed. And some of us, I believe, need to go back to that place when we say, I had this dream. I wanted to do this. And as you prayerfully and wisely start considering those things, guess what? Little bits will start trickling in. Little bits will start trickling in. And you'll be able to do the things that God has wanted you to do. Then verse 3 goes on. 
And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. So this sounds crazy, right? You've got a lady who's in so much debt, they're taking her kids away from her, and the man of God says to her, go and borrow more. Like, how can you tell someone? It's like telling a drug addict to go and get more drugs. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense, does it? Now, I'm not condoning borrowing your way out of debt here. <laughs> but I'm drawing the principle on when you need a financial miracle and you're praying about it, sometimes God is going to lead you to do the thing that sounds the craziest. And that's where your miracle lies. In fact, a lot of the times, he will ask you to do the things that don't make sense. But you're setting yourself up and you're making room for what he has for you. Vicky talked about a couple of weeks ago when um, Barry took a, a, a much lesser paid job because he knew that that's what God had for their family. Now, that didn't make sense. It didn't make financial sense. But in that, they made room for the blessing that God had for them And he always provided, and they never lacked. And that's it here. God said to her, and Elisha said to her, go and borrow. And we have to be so convinced and so convicted and know the voice of God so much that even when we're in a situation and he's telling us to do what seems crazy and It doesn't make sense. We can still say, but that's God's voice. And I can step out and I can do that. And then he said to her, go and borrow these jars. And I also think that this lady, even though she was in such a bad way, she must have had a good reputation with her neighbors. If not, because back then everybody knew everybody's stories, why would all of them be so happy to still borrow to her? So what I also learned from that is even when I'm at my lowest point, my character and how I treat people is still important. And it's so important because I don't know at what stage I'm going to turn around and have to go and borrow jars from them to help me get to where I need to be next in my life. So when you're at your lowest point, it's not an excuse to be nippy and irritable all the time. It's hard, yes. And there's been times that I've been at work and I've had to go and lock myself in the toilet and pray and be like, Jesus, help me. Everybody knows I'm a Christian in here. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to represent you well. But it's not an excuse because God has given us power over our emotions. And I'd even go out on a limb and say this to us wonderful women in here. Even if it's your time of the month, it's not an excuse because God has given you control over your emotions. Yeah? A little side note. (laughs) So, then verse 4, it says this. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Okay. So sometimes when God tells you to do that crazy thing, you don't need loads of people around you. You don't need to tell everybody. Because not everybody understands what God told you in secret. And that's okay. They can, they can see it in public, 
but they don't all need to know because I'm sure a lot of people would have said to her, you're in debt, why are you borrowing more? What are you gonna do with that little jar of oil? What do you think you're doing? Do you know what? It's seven years, it's not that bad. Seven years, what happens in seven years? It'll be come and gone, you'll have your sons back. Everybody always has great advice for us, don't they? Sometimes you need to shut the door and only have around you the people that understand that know what God has spoken to you and that can stand with you in faith in those difficult times who are going to boost you up and say, what do you need? Sometimes it's even going to be family members that you say, do you know what, I love you, but now's not the time. So shut the door and pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. When you need a word from the Lord, when you need a financial miracle, do as you are told. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Don't add a little bit extra salt, black pepper, cinnamon. No. Do as you are told. Simple. Do as you're told. Let God do what he wants to do. Do as you're told. And her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after the other. And soon, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. And there aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. So the oil stopped flowing when she ran out of jars. And I think if she had more jars, the oil would have kept flowing. So don't limit God. Because here's the thing, right? God told her to borrow. God told her to create space, to empty, bring empty jars, it said. And God said, I'd fill them. And even when you're in a space and you're needing a financial miracle or whatever miracle you're needing, a lot of the times you need to make room. And when you're going to God, God's going to tell you there's things that you need to get rid of. Do you need to change a job? Do you need to change some relationships? But you're making room for God so that he can fill it with his oil, his fresh oil, his new anointing for where you next need to be. And as much room as you give him is as much room as he will fill up. And even in your personal walks and your relationships with Jesus, if you're only giving him this much space, that's all he's going to fill. But if you stand there and you say, God, here's all of me. From the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. Guess what? He's going to fill all of you. As you make room, as you shift things aside, as you follow his voice, as you obey his voice, he fills every empty space with his fresh oil. So my other question to you is, where do you need to make room this afternoon? What are those things that have been niggling and stirring in your heart? You should start doing this, start doing this, speak to this person, start thinking about this dream and this vision that you've had before. Make room. Make room and then the Lord is going to fill it with his oil. And then they said there aren't any more, so the oil stopped flowing. God created an industry for this woman to sell oil based on what she already had in her house. Sometimes God will give you a brand new fresh idea. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he'll say, and I say, I think a lot of the times he'll say, it's already there. What you need 
is already there. You're just not looking at it with my perspective, with my eyes. Then verse 7 says this, And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. And here is the biggest lesson. When God blesses you and gives you the financial miracle, pay your debts. How many of us get some money and the first thing we do is think, I can buy these shoes, I can buy this new laptop I've been wanting, I can buy this new guitar, I can go on a holiday. Those things are great. But then if you do that, in three years' time, you're going to need another financial miracle, aren't you? He said to her, before you live off the rest, pay your debts. Because you prayed for a miracle because you had debt. Not because you wanted to have this lavish lifestyle. And God will give you what you need. And sometimes we think we don't have what we need, but we've not used what we have for what God wanted us to use it for in the first place. And if we would only use what we have according to what God wants us to do with it, we would have enough. Some of us think that we don't earn enough, and I want to submit to you today that maybe you're not using what you have in the way that God would have you use it, so he's not able to fully multiply it in the way that he wants to do it. I'm talking about when I had our first son, and God gave my husband that amazing pay rise, and I still, my maternity pay was just just absolutely near to nothing. But we still prayed every month, God, this is what's coming to our house. What would you have us do with this money? Because we know that when we give it to God first, he'll multiply it and make it enough. Pay your debts. I know so many, even with the whole like PPI claims that happen. I know so. I know a particular lady. I think she got about twenty-five thousand pounds back in PPI claims, and she went on the holiday. She did all of this. She did all of that, and all of this. And and a couple. I think about a year later, I was talking to her, and she was telling me about oh, oh she's in all this debt, a mortgage, this, all this, and I was like, Auntie, didn't you just get all that money? Pay your debts. Pay your debts. Pay your debts. God will bless you. He will give you what you need, but you've got to be wise with it. A lot of us, it's a phone call to the debt collectors to just say, right, can I work out a payment plan? That's all it is. A lot of them just want to know that you're committed to doing something small to pay it off. But you've got to pay them off. And sometimes God won't even fully give us what we need because we're not ready for it. Because like I said, he can give you that £20,000, but in a year's time, you're going to be exactly where you are. And with what you have now, sometimes you need to write yourself off a budget. These are my debts. This is what I have. Where do I need to cut back? Okay, my phone's still working. I'm not going to upgrade it. I'm going to stay on SIM only because it's half the price and put that extra money that I would for my phone contract to pay enough for debt. Yeah. 
My car's all right. It's not breaking down. They're calling me saying, do you want another car? I'm going to say no because I've only got a, a year left on this loan and I'm going to use that money to pay in something else. It's these little things. Okay, Asda and Tesco is more expensive, but there's a little there and there's an, added Asda and an Aldi there and an Iceland. And even though I have to go to all three, I'm still saving that £30 a month, a week, that I can put to something else. It's small little things that you can do to help. Small little things. One of, the, one of our decisions, and that, besides God, we knowing that God wanted us to live in Warrington for Hope Church and for being here, and living in Warrington was like, we were like, okay, if we lived in Manchester, we would probably get a two-bedroom house for what would cost us a three-bedroom with a garden and a driveway in Warrington. But we know at the beginning of our mind, we knew that God wanted us to be a couple that was able to bless people and sow into places. So we knew financially from the beginning, we're not going to max ourselves out because we knew that we wanted our money to be able to serve. Getting a new car, you don't ha- even if you can afford the top of the line, you don't have to do it. You don't have to. You don't have to do it. For all the younger ones in here, I'd say the same things. You don't have to go all out yet. Wait. Graft now. Save now. Do what you need to do now. And then you can enjoy later on in life. But simple financial principles. Pay your debts. We have to get in our mind that there are good debts, but a lot of them aren't. And a lot of them are unnecessary. And a lot of them is just us being in society and wanting to keep up with the Joneses. Well, the Joneses probably have a rich auntie or grandma in Wales. <laughs> we don't have to do that. This is only going to be short. But the other thing I liked about this was he said to her, and you and your sons will live off the rest. So God is a generational God. And in minding him blessing you financially for your future, it also in- includes your children and your children's children. He's not just going to bless you and, and not bless them as well and not bless who he's given you in your care. And if you read back through the rest of the scripture, you'll see everything else, Elisha just addressed her. But when it came to this, he said, no, you and your sons will live off the rest. God will always give you in abundance what you need if you just step out in faith and listen to that crazy word that he's given you. If you just decide to take the blinkers off and look in your house and say, what do I have? What do I have that God has already given me that I can use? I've got loads of business ideas and things that, and, and we're starting to look at, okay, God isn't a tease. He's not a tease, and he wouldn't have given me these plans and these dreams and these visions if he didn't want me to pursue them because he wasn't going to fulfill them. And you've got to start living out your life knowing that, okay, as I pursue these things, God's going to open more doors. God's going to open more doors as I do these things, as I step out in faith and do what seems crazy and do what seems impossible. So again, I'm asking you, what do you have in your house? Dust those things off. 
That little jar of oil that you think is so insignificant, that's probably going to be the key. Sometimes, I've said it before, sometimes he will give you a fresh idea. But a lot of the times he'll say, look, it was already there this whole time. It was there. So in closing, and the worship team can get up, I've broken it down into six headings. Number one, know why you're in debt. That's the first place it starts. Have you been a bit frivolous? Have you been lazy? Could you go out and get a second job and and help for a period of time to, to help get your family in a better situation? Do you need a financial advisor? Do you need help from somebody else? Do you need to sit down and speak? If you don't know how to make budgets and spreadsheets and all that, Vicky said this morning, email her and we'll do a session on it. Know why you're in debt. Seek help. Number two, go to God and pray. Ask him to open your eyes to the miracle that is already in front of you. If you've made bad choices, choices, if you've been frivolous, repent and ask him to help you. Say, God, I'm sorry because I shouldn't have done that. I've not managed the money that you've given me wisely. Because some of us, if we look back and actually count up how much money we've made in a year and how much we've spent and how much debt you're in, you'll actually be surprised. One of my friends, I made her count up how much she spent on Nando's in the year. (laughs) And it was almost pushing 10,000 pounds while she was a student. And it was like, yeah, you can't really do that anymore. Sometimes you need to do that. And when God starts to show you that actually you've not been that great with your money, repent. And that just means to go, that all that means is saying, God, I'm sorry, please help me. Change my heart, change my mind, give me wisdom. Number four, do exactly what God tells you to do, no matter how crazy it seems or it sounds. Number five, keep of good character even in your stressful times. Even when it's hard, be of good character. And number six, pay your debts. Pay your debts. And there are great people out there like Christians Against Poverty and there's all sorts of organisations who can help you if you're struggling. But it starts with knowing you need help, asking for help and praying for God to help you. And I'm just going to finish by reading this psalm because I think sometimes it's so easy for us to look at our situation and look at our level of debt or whatever and and just get, and start to panic. But um, this came to my mind when I was preparing and I just think it just grounds you so much. And I think we all know it, but it's Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me 
but you, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. And surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever.